This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello, or should I say hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, I'm your host, Jamie Smith, and with me today are Adam Howarth, Andy Devaney, James Bird, and Kevin Robinson. Another good win for the Clarets at the weekend, 2-0 at home to Yeovil Town, and a great comeback for Keith Tracy, of course, who we'd all sort of forgotten about a little bit. We'll talk a lot about Keith later on, everyone loves Keith. And also the news that we're going to make an eight million pound loss for last season. That's been big news. There's been plenty of stuff on the site about that. Everyone's obviously very interested in that. And Sarcastic applause, sorry. <laughs> That's an early start. Interrupting my flow there. So let's go to Adam for the news. Oh, now you're interrupting my flow. Okay, let's go. Okay, so Sean Dice said he didn't care with uh, Keith Tracy meant his goal during Saturday's 2-0 win against Yeovil Town. Of the win, he said, it was a very good win against a team who have every right to be in this division and don't give a lot away. We had to remain patient in order to win, and we did that. We didn't do as well in the first half as we'd like. It was a nearly performance, but not enough. In the second half, we slowly came more into the game and ended well. Dyche was also realistic about Burnley's start to the season and wider financial position. It's a good start and all credit to the players here, he said. There's a lot of noise in the background and about selling players and this and that, but I have min- maintained there are some good things about this this club. And that doesn't mean you'll win every week, but the board are trying to run the club properly and appropriately. Sorry, I can't resist laughing at that. Um, whilst challenge- still challenging, challenging on the football pitch, we have to plan accordingly. It's as simple as that. We are a club that is rich in history and I've ma- mentioned that several times. I'm still learning about that history and it's a fantastic thing, but we can't live in in the rearview mirror. We have, have to move forward and part of that is financial base of the club. We still want to be productive and bringing players in is, is an ongoing process, but we are looking and we are active. Elsewhere in club news, uh, during Saturday's game, the club trialled a new food and drinks pre-order app dubbed iPie. Pie app, pie app. <laughs> the, uh, this, the app is available for iPhone and Android and allows fans to pre-order their half-time drinks and snacks from their mobile phone before or during the game. We'll have a full article about the initiative on the site later this week by me. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, Back to you, Jamie. So, like I said, a good 2-0 win for the Clarets this week at home to Yeovil. Um, fairly slow start, and it took a double change from Sean Dyche, introducing um, Scott Arfield and Keith Tracy for the two wingers who didn't play particularly well. Um, Tracy has obviously been hailed as the match winner because he opened the scoring. James, what did you make of Tracy's performance and, and the game as a whole? Well, I think before Tracy came on, there was... Uh... Yeah. There was two wingers who weren't really performing the way you normally expect them to. Um, he wasn't outstanding by any means, but uh, he, he clearly changed the game. And I know his cross probably wasn't intentional to go in, but at the end of it, it has done. And without that, maybe we don't go on and score a second. Maybe we're talking about a no-no draw. So I think he had a, a big part to play, really. 
it, it seems like we got quite lucky, didn't it, with um, the, the Tracy goal and the second goal as well. It, obviously, it was a, a drive that really went in off off Sam Volks rather than it being his effort. Um, Andy, do you think that we perhaps got a little bit lucky with the, the two goals or do you think our performance merited the win? I thought uh, it's hard to tell whether Tracy's uh, effort was uh, a fluke or not, but who cares? It went in. Um, I think it was uh, better than Volks. I, I can't see how he can claim that, but I'm, I've not seen it replayed yet, but that looked um, like it came off his arm to me. Um, but I think we deserve to win the game, definitely. Well, we did create plenty, but I think um, at half-time we were maybe a little bit lucky to go in at 0-0 there, probably had the best chance of the game with um, Davis. He skied that chance after Stanislas had messed up in the box. Um, James, do you think that the changes came at the right time? Were they good positive changes? Were they what made the difference for us in the end, those substitutions? Well, it's hard to argue that the changes didn't make a difference. Um, I think before that point, Junior Stanislas and Ross Wallace were both having very poor games. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw the two of them combined play so badly. Um, but do you know who's got the echo? I think someone's on an aeroplane. No, it's all went a little bit wrong so far. But. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll muddle on through. I'm pretty well, sure that was Kevin. What are you saying there, James? Carry on. Pretend that didn't happen. Um, so I, think, I don't think I can remember seeing Junior and Wallace both play so badly at the same time. Um, it was a positive change. Obviously, Arfield's not naturally a winger, but he has brought him on in that position earlier in the season as well. And obviously, Keith Tracy, we know what he can do on a good day. Um, and on, on Saturday, we did get one of those good days. Uh, yeah, obviously, Arfield, Arfield seems to have done quite well in his substitute roles, Andy. What do you make of Arfield so far? He seems to have made a positive difference from the bench a couple of times. Um, yeah, I think he did well. Um, like uh, James said then, uh, Wallace and Stanislas were pretty ineffective. And I think like a lot of people sat round by me thought exactly the same. So for a change, um, he seemed to make a sort of a positive substitution, which was nice to see. Um yeah, he did. He did well, Arfield. Um, I'm not seeing much of him yet, but he's, he he looks all right. Well, we certainly need more options from the bench, don't we? And it looks like Arfield's going to be able to contribute. Hopefully, we'll see more match-winning um, performances like that from Keith Tracy, who we'll talk about quite a lot later on. Um, Adam, just on the use of substitutions, that's certainly something I've I've criticised Sean Dyche for in the past. Do you think? Saturday's changes were a sign of something a little bit more positive from Dash, or was he left with little choice, really, the fact that it was 0-0 at home against, um, no disrespect to Yovo, but a side that we would expect to be beating? Well, uh, as you say, I think he had to do something. He, it was a bit terrible up, up until that point. Both me and you were listening to BBC Somerset because Claret's player wasn't working, and they were going on and on about how terrible the game was. And it's, it's quite interesting to get that kind of opposition view. Of, yeah, it of was really bad, interesting to get a different view for once. Yeah, of the bad um, nature of the game. Um, so he had to be positive in that sense. But I don't think that for once uh, Daish's substitutions weren't reactive. They weren't. Well, they were in the sense that they were a reaction to the terrible game, but nothing happened like a big event didn't happen prior to to his his use of two attacking um, substitutions. So that's that is a positive sign. Um, but if if he had gone defensive, uh, gone defensive um, with his substitutions, I think that would have been opened him up to a whole new level of abuse because <laughs> there was no way he could go. Uh, negative with his substitutions um, but yeah uh, substitutions they were they changed the game alright but I don't know whether it's an indicator of how Dice is going to react or act in future games it's difficult to tell for one game obviously but I would say positive signs Kevin um, substitutions on Saturday was it just due to the fact that Wallace and Stanislas were having such bad games do you think Dash was going to look to put Tracy in off here on anyway, or was his hand forced a little bit by the fact the wingers that had started the game so far? Yeah, I think like Adam said, it's quite difficult to, to, to tell from this one game. I think uh, in the previous games, he has been making reactive substitutions. 
um, when he's needed to. But this game was slightly different because we needed to change something. Um, and he did that. I think Arfield has been a real plus point for me because he's shown real versatility. Like James said earlier, he's not naturally a winger, but he's come into that position and done well quite a few times, which it can be really important for us because as we've been, as been discussed quite at length, we've got pretty much no depth in the attacking positions at all, particularly on the wings. So to have somebody who can come in, can play centre midfield and can play on the wing, it can be really important to us this season, um, especially when we've got not, not got many options from the bench. So, um, yeah, say, we'll have to see um, maybe in four or five games' time whether the substitution is going to be a, bit, a little bit more positive this season. But, um, but yeah, I think Scott Arfield's been definitely positive. Well, we do want to try and be a bit positive um, today, especially after such a good win at the weekend and seven points from nine. So uh, we do get accused that no one ever sometimes of being a bit negative. So we're going to really try hard to be all cheerleadery today. Um, Sam Volks is someone I, I really want to talk a bit about today. I think it's quite interesting that um, before the last week or so, people have been hailing his all-round contribution and the fact that he brings players into the game. But the last couple of games, he's actually got on the score sheet. Fairly fortunately, we've got to say, against Yeovil, I'm pretty sure it just hit him and went in. He didn't know that much about it. But he's got a couple of goals. That'll obviously boost his confidence. But Andy, he missed a couple of fairly good chances as well. What, what do you make of Sam Buck so far this season? Um, I'm not really a massive fan of his, but you know me. If they score loads of goals, I don't like them. Um, I don't know. He seems like a bit of a Gareth Taylor kind of uh, player, and and if he keeps getting them in, it doesn't matter whether they come off his backside or his his head or his foot. You know, we'll take them all. Um, but it, it, it's a definitely a different player to Wings, and you need that. You can't keep having two two of the same sort of player up front all the time. So it does give us a different dimension, almost. Yeah, it's it's almost the classic little and large combination, isn't it, Volks and Ings? James, do you think they're starting to gel as a partnership, Volks and Ings? Um, it's probably too early to say whether as a partnership that's really taking off, but um, they certainly do complement each other because obviously Volks needs someone who's a little bit quicker, um, can beat a man alongside him, and Ings probably needs someone who can win the ball in the air. So in that sort of well, in that way, that they do match very well. So, and what what about things? So things I've already come up with a new name for them. The strike force is now called Things. <laughs> Total accident there. Uh, what about Sam Vokes? Like I say, he scored a couple in his last couple of games, but he, he wasn't really great on Saturday, was he? Could have probably had three or four goals. Um, he could have scored a few. Um, it's probably an understatement. But in one case, at least, he was very unlucky. The, the clearance off the line, he he did everything right there, and. Uh, I don't mean you can really expect him to have done anything differently. That was just a good piece of defending. Um, and in the, also in his defence, conditions weren't the best for a player who normally wants things in the air because it was very, very blustery and very wet. Yeah, conditions were probably quite tricky, Andy. How much of an impact do you think the weather had on the game? Um makes it more fun, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't get wet in the... Uh, well, I actually did get wet at one point. I believe um, people were getting wet near, right at the back of the Jimmy Macalper, so, yeah, it was quite blustery. But I really don't think that the players will be paying very much attention. It just makes the ball a bit zippy, doesn't it? Um, I, I don't think it makes you play any any different. Uh, but it did. the, the weather definitely helped um, Tracy's goal because it sort of whipped it in a little bit, didn't it? Oh, certainly. I mean, for the goal, credit to Crazy initially for cutting inside and he did beat his man. He had his man beaten, but it was certainly a cross. Let's not even try to pretend it was a shot. And I think the wind did make it more difficult for the goalkeeper who also should have saved it. So two slices of luck, really, in that it was supposed to be a cross and the goalkeeper should still have saved it. But if you don't put that ball in the box, it still doesn't go in. I think uh, it was um, a, Ian Dowley on... Um... Soccer Saturday, he said the wind blew it in. I don't think that's quite true, but he certainly had, had a kind of. Well, Tracy definitely kicked it. it in. I think the wind probably contributed. <laughs> and just a, a point about the weather as well. I was listening to Clarence's player, and Phil Bird was saying that um, he'd never seen conditions like that at the turf in the middle of August. And Michael Duff was was his, his sidekick for the day, and Duff Man was saying, well, he's been at the club 10 years and he's had that quite often. So. <laughs> 
the players should be used to conditions like that at Turf Moor, so it probably didn't have that much impact. Uh, we'll go back to you then, Kevin. Seven points from nine games. Is that far in excess of what you would have expected from the first couple of weeks of the season? Especially, bearing in mind, we sold uh, our yeah, well, best player. Yeah, well, during the summer, we had um, a good number of fans who were quite upset with anger. Uh, the manager shouldn't be near the club. There was... We'd lost all our good players, replaced them with worthless free transfers. We were going to play 90 minutes of long ball and end up being relegated. Um, it's not quite happened like that. Uh, obviously, it's very early days, but it's all encouraging signs so far. Um, yeah, I think when, Eddie, when Eddie Howe was first appointed, he said it took um, about six or seven years to get, to get his team playing how he wanted to. So um, I think this season, last season, sorry, was more about getting the framework right for for, for Dice stabilising what was a very attacking but um, leaky team. Whereas this season has been trying to build that a little bit and evolve it. Um, still got a long way to go and a lot of work to do, but we've got really strong foundations. Uh, I think we've always had a basis of a strong squad, but um, still lacking a lot of width out wide and up front. And while well, we've got a good 11 when it gets to uh, the... The, the middle part of the season might, might become troublesome, but definitely, definitely can't complain about the, the start so far. It's been, it's been excellent. Yeah, I think everyone wants to see a couple of new bodies come in just to pad the squad out a little bit. We are looking quite short. Um, Adam, what about you? Do you think seven points from nine, was that anything you were expecting from the start? Two wins and a draw on the opening day? I don't really know what I was expecting, to be honest. Uh, it's a, I don't know what I was expecting, but I can tell you it's a very good start. Um, in my opinion, um, I I wasn't. What's been the most positive thing about the start of the season? Do you think, Adam? Um, that we're still scoring goals without Charlie Austin. I think we weren't ever not going to score goals, but it was kind of. It's always a worry in your back of, in the back of your mind when a player goes. How are you going to replace them? But I, I, I'm glad that Ings and Vokes have kind of stepped into the limelight rather than of shied away from the pressure, if you will. Yeah, I think goals is a really interesting point, actually. I mean, um, it's very, very early days, but Charlie Austin in three league appearances has no goals for QPR, and Sam Volks and Danny Ings have got two each. So that's quite interesting. I'm sure we would all rather that Austin was still playing for Burnley, but we seem to be coping quite well without him, James. Uh, how do you think we've adapted to playing without Austin? I don't think it's really taken much to adapt to that because we played quite a few games right in last season and our record without him is actually very good since John Dash was here so I don't think it's anywhere near the, the issue that people are expecting. Um, what about you Andy? Do you think um, the goal scoring has been pretty... I know you're a huge fan of Danny Ings and you were positive that he was going to score a lot of goals but are you a little bit surprised that we've managed to spread the goals around so well already? I'm gutted he didn't score again on Saturday. Um, I, I am as well. I had him first goal scorer. It's the first game <laughs> he hasn't scored. <laughs> I think um, I think um, team selection, the consistency of the team selection has been what surprised me most at the start of this season because that's something that we don't seem to have had for a while. And especially with the cup game, he kept the team the same. It gives the team the chance to sort of you know build and, and, and become a solid unit. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've, we've sort of done three games in a row. It's a bit early though, isn't it? If we start saying about unbeaten runs and all this sort of business, we'll probably not win another game for a month. But, you know, it's been definitely good and, and I think consistency of, you know, the squad is, has helped. No, you're right. I mean, none of us want to get carried away, but I think uh, the unbeaten run now stretching back to last season when we were unbeaten for three, it's seven in a row now. So we obviously are hard to beat. And you're right, completely right about the consistency. I remember I was at the York game and I was a bit surprised that we played the same team. But I think you look at the results since and it's been justified. I was wondering why he hadn't given a run to players like David Edgar and maybe even Ryan Noble who hadn't played that much. But obviously that first 11 is gelling quite nicely now and if we can play that team most weeks, we'll probably do quite well. Um, Kevin, the, the first 11, would you be looking for someone to improve that team at the moment or someone to complement what we already have and to come on from the bench more? Do you think there's positions where we need to look for replacements? Um, I think for a club of our stature, I think we've got a, a really good eleven. I don't think we can. I don't think looking to improve it is is our priority. I think, like I said earlier, the our options from the bench and when we start to pick up injuries, etc., is, is our real issue. 
I think in Wallace and Wallace and Stanislas on their day, they're two excellent wingers. Um, Trippier at the back is obviously one of the best right backs in the league. Uh, Daniel Lafferty has started well the league well. Stanislas, um, sorry, um, Shackle and Long have started well in defence. Marnie on his day is a world beater. Um, Jones is just as impressed and up front. Vonks and Ings are both scoring goals. Tom Eaton's done well in goals. So I, I think our starting 11 at the moment, anyway, is, is, is pre- impressive. And I don't think we could look to improve that on, on our budget. But um, it's definitely it's definitely a bench we need to improve in. But yeah, the first 11 is great as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure we're looking, at obviously, depending on what's out there and what room there is in the budget. Um, so, obviously, everyone very happy with, with the win over over Yeovil at the weekend. We've had some comments on the live chat. We'll bring those in. Um, Thomas Pickles, who's very kindly recorded some little vocals that you'll have heard at the start of the podcast. He says there's 10 million positives and very few negatives from the start of the season. And Gags has been on as well, saying we've probably got two points better than he thought he would be at this stage of the season and pointed out as well that we stick some beating at Surf Moor. Um, now then, we're going to go into the quiz section of the podcast, which uh, we've got some little familiar music for us there that's going to come out in about There we go. Just just pretend we're in um, a nice studio with <laughs> leather chairs and stuff and pretend that we all know what we're doing. That'll go down <laughs> very well. Um, so the quiz question for this week, is everyone ready? Have you all got your thinking caps on? Ready. Right, the quiz question is... <laughs> well, I'm ready. No one else is. Every, everyone else is gone. <laughs> They've stopped paying attention. Anyway, since 2000, the year 2000, 25 players have won international caps while contracted to Burnley. Six of them are still at the club now. Can you name the 25 players? They don't have to have been at Burnley while they played the international games. They could have been on loan, but there's 25 players oh, since the year God. 2000. This is horrible. <laughs> so we'll kick off now. You can have one guess each. There's obviously six at the club now, so pick whichever ones you want. We'll start with you, Adam. Danny Lafferty. Danny Lafferty's a good one. Five caps for Northern Ireland. James? Michael Duff. Michael Duff. Another Northern Ireland one, sensing a trend here already. Andy? 21 caps for Michael Duff. While at Burnley? Uh, Patterson. Patterson, oh, another Northern Ireland one. He played 13 times for his country. While at Burnley, we were rattling through them already. Kevin, what about you? Okay, I'm going to go a little bit left field, a little oh. bit further away from Northern Ireland. Well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% if he did, but did club legend um, Bezard Bouisha play international <laughs> football? Did. I'm yes. so someone said that. Ten caps. Can you believe it? He played ten times for Albania while a Burnley player, although he oh. barely ever played for us. Um, <laughs> Get your guesses in on the chat. We're going to try and not to ruin it. Yes, full caps, Thomas. Um, Under-21s don't count. Um, and we've had a couple of guesses already. Alex says Dane Richards, which is another correct answer. Dane Richards, amazingly enough, one cap for Jamaica, wild only player. Cameron Howison, another excellent guest there, guys. Cameron Howison hasn't started a game for Burnley yet, but he's got four caps for New Zealand, despite still being a teenager, so that's very promising. Um, still plenty of more, so keep your guesses coming in, and we'll return to them. Remco van der Schaff, I'm afraid, isn't on my list. I had 25 players, and he's not on them, I'm afraid. So, um, there's still plenty, and a couple that are still at the club, so keep your guesses coming in, and we'll um, come back to that a little bit later. One of the players that is on the list, who I'm going to give away the answer a little bit now, is Keith Tracy, who we are going to talk about now. Um, Tracy obviously came on on Saturday, changed the game with his cross that ended up going in. And we've heard a little bit from Tracy in the press today. He's been talking to the journalists about how the penny has dropped and he wants to start to fulfil his potential. He's been talking about his personal issues, the fact that he's fighting a custody battle for his child, the fact that he's been struggling with his personal life. We all know about his his trouble with weight issues. He says he's been working with Mark Howard, who he also worked with at Blackburn. And he says he deserves a lot of credit for getting him in the shape that he's currently in. And he wants to get the rewards from that now. Tracy also said he feels as fit as he has done at any point since he played for Preston. But he also said, I've still got a little bit to go. There's no point in kidding myself and masking things with a goal. But I'm starting to learn that what you do outside the pitch is just as important as what you do on it. Um, Keith Tracy then, 
obviously, we, we've been very critical of Keith in the past, but I think everyone wants to see him come good so much. James, what did you make of Keith on Saturday? Well, I like what I saw on Saturday, but I've, I've liked what I saw on his debut and uh, at Sheffield Wednesday, New Year's Day this year. Um, I hope this is an occasion where we're going to say that was the start of seeing the real Keith Tracy rather than another one of those false stones. Well, you, you're right when you say about false stones. We had a piece from Alex on the site that, that was very um, praising of Tracy. Obviously, everyone wants him to do really well, but when you boil his Burnley career down, he's into his third season and he's basically had one good game for each season. His debut when he came on came off the bench, I think, against Watford and changed the game and then the the match at his site there at Hillsborough where he played really well. Kevin, Tracy, what do you make of his comeback? Can we call it a comeback? Uh, well, <clears throat> he almost made me look a bit sleepy weekend, didn't he? Um, obviously, last week on the podcast, I, I slammed him, um, saying I didn't want him to even have another chance. Then in my positive and negative piece on the site in midweek, I called him a waste of space. Um, <laughs> it's your fault, you but, spurred him on. <laughs> That's why the pinning. I've always, uh, always weekend impact was obviously very significant. Uh, it'll take it'll take a lot more for me to to give him any value at all. Uh, if it was possible to get rid of him today and bring in a, a replacement, I, I'd snatch it. Um, I think every year we're told he's much fitter, hungrier. It's his year, but it always ends up being empty words. I think uh, until he puts in a couple more meaningful performances. Um, I've, I remain adamant that he's got no real future here and will never have any proper impact. Um, I don't pray, I don't buy praise over his uh, the press comments either. I think uh, after so much damage over the pitch in the last two years, I think acknowledging him that he's got work to do is is probably the least he can do. I think it's a bit a little bit like David Cameron handing a tenor to a nurse and saying, "Well done," after <laughs> ripping her and her colleagues off for the last couple of years. Strong, strong uh, stuff there. Are you um, trying to spare him on? Yeah, well, it's it's some players need the arm around the shoulder and some need to kick up the backside, don't So it's interesting to see which one Tracy is. But he, he's also said um, he's too stupid to do another job, so he has to knuckle down and get on with the football. Do you think, Andy, that maybe the fact that he's going into the last year of his contract and he needs to provide a future for his kids, is that going to spur him on this season? Are we finally going to see the key Tracy that we thought we were buying two years ago? Um. Yeah, if he's, if he's got all these issues, you know, a lot of footballers have issues, don't they? It's, it's quite um, not, a, not an unusual thing to happen to footballers with the pressures of the game. I'd like to see him do well because when he does perform, he's, he's a good player to have, um, you know, whether he gets another chance or not. But he, he has had another chance, hasn't he? And he played well, so if he keeps it up, but I think if he, if he sort of falls away again this time, that, yeah, you probably want to get rid of him, really. What, what do you think of Keith, James? Do you think we need to really hope that he makes the most of these, most of this chance again? Obviously, the manager's put a little bit of faith in him. Do you think maybe give him a start even at Brighton and see how he gets on? Would that be worth the gamble? Personally, I'd start him at Brighton. I think he's, he's earned it. Um, or more a case of maybe Junior and Ross have lost the right to start. Um, but I'd certainly look to start either him or Arfield on Saturday at the expense of junior or Ross um, I think a big part of his uh, comeback or whatever we decide to call it realising the penny's dropped is Sean Dash. I think he's given him a lot more time than uh, than Eddie did I think he's he said to him that you know if you work hard if you do the right things the door's not closed to you um, whereas I think before under Eddie it was more that barring some sort of sensational change he wasn't really going to get a look in um, we know he's a talented player. If he can, you know, put these his demons behind him and move on, you know, you know, get in the right shape, then I think he can be a good player for us. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, whoever the manager is has to get the most out of the players that are there, but you have to get something from them at the start. I think Eddie perhaps gave up on Tracy a little bit, but if he hadn't been shown anything, then it's difficult for him to to put faith in him. And just on going back to what Kevin said was um, the fact that we've heard this before from Tracy. It's not a new thing. Like Eight months ago, he was saying very much the same sort of things to the press, and 
nothing came of it. He didn't have a single good performance after that. The last time we saw him play well before Saturday was was obviously the, the Hillsborough game on New Year's Day. So he's basically played two good games this year. But we do all want Tracy to do really well. Everyone, he's become almost like a cult hero, despite the fact he's not really done much. Um, Adam, if you can put down your muffin for just one second. Uh, not, Keith Tracy, where do you stand yet. on such a divisive player? Um, well, it's, it's kind of hard to see what he's about because he's had so many of these false dawns and it's like... When is he actually gonna become the player we know? No, he's gonna. He know he's got in him, if you will. Um, but as as you said, I think we all hope that apart from Kevin, um, I think we all hope that he be, does become that good good player, and um, that we can kind of use him to our, our advantage because it almost seems at the at the minute that we we've just got him in our squad, and we're just trying to get the best out of him like it's, it's like a lucky dip um rather than having a, a reliable player on your bench who you know can can actually play when they're asked to um but yeah as i say i hope i hope that we do find that better keith tracy and he does sort out his off off field uh demons as he, he refers to them um but yeah he certainly owes his performances i mean Two years of presumably quite big wages, and we've seen very little from that. Um, Alex has pointed out on the chat that it could be amazing this season, everyone could love him, and then he could leave in the summer. He's in the last year of his contract, so that could be the case. We could end up paying him for three years, get a handful of good performance out of him, and then he could be off. That could easily happen. Um, we've got some more guesses on the quiz as well. Let me find my list. Um, David Edgar from AJJ is correct. 20 caps for Canada. Another guest, Sam Volks, the Wales international, five appearances for his country since signing for Burnley. Uh, I don't think anyone's got the other Wales striker yet. That's a bit of a cough there. Bit of a clue there too. Leighton. Sorry, Gareth Taylor. Gareth Taylor, that's the one. Was there a time limit? Sorry, I didn't really pay attention. I've got my thing in my mouth, by the way. Obviously, <laughs> Gareth Taylor's correct as well. Four caps for Gareth Taylor. Two Lafferty's, AJJ again. Danny Lafferty, we already had earlier, I think, and Kyle Lafferty played 16 times for Northern Ireland before he moved to Rangers. A couple more I've guesses. Sorry, what was that? I've got one. Go on. Leon Court. Leon Court is an excellent one. I had him down as one that you wouldn't get. He didn't play for his country until he left to join Charlton on, that, on loan, but he played four times for Guyana while still a Burnley player. Very well done, Andy. A couple more guesses that have come in. Keith Tracy, yep. He's the last one of the current players. Just one appearance for Ireland since joining Burnley. And no Thomas Pickles. Amadou Sunoco didn't play for Wales, although he might have a Welsh grandma. I'm not actually sure about that. I think one more guest that we haven't gone through yet. Graham Alexander. Excellent shout. Ten appearances for Scotland while Burnley player. We are now down to just about a dozen. I think there's a couple more. Danny Fox is incorrect. He's not on my How list. About- Danny Fox. How about how about Diego Penny? Diego oh. Penny, not not on my list. Not on my list, I'm afraid. It could oh. be correct. It's not on the list. The list is the final answer, I'm afraid. I'm sure there were other guesses. Oh. Andre BK is an excellent shout. BK played four times for Cameroon. I'm not sure what his name was at the time. Did you have another one there, Andy? Uh, Dimitri Papadopoulos. <laughs> yes, he has been guessed actually, oh. and I hadn't. I'd missed that. Just one cap for Greece. Of course, Papadopoulos was in the, the European Championship squad when they surprisingly won that. And fellow Greek international Nick Makopoulos, Nick the Greek, was another one. We are now down to, I can tell you, the last nine. Nine more to get. Any more guesses? Ariakin Bayi is wrong, James. He's not I on think the list. I've got one. Sinclair is wrong Whoa. as well. Gary Kale, wrong. Guesses? Oh, someone else said that. Um, guesses? Sam Volks. Yeah, one, time, one at a time, James. Sam Volks. Sam Volks has been said, but yeah, correct. Have you got another guess? Off the top of my head, you've, you've ruined me now. <laughs> Should we pay more Alan attention? One. Go on. How about Drissa Diallo? <laughs> Not on the list. I've got one. Oh. I can't remember his name. <laughs> That's not useful. You need to know his name. The, the, um, his... the, the keeper. The keeper. who always used to wear them funny Kirali. pants. The Welsh keeper. No, no, Gabor Karali. Uh, Gabor Karali. 
No, not on the list. Well, he's played international, played against England. Hmm. Oh, it wasn't a Burnley player. Oh, I try and check that now, but I don't think it was while he was playing for us. No, it Does wasn't, that, was it? Guesses? Nope, wasn't while he was at Burnley. Julian well, Johnson says Thomas Pickles. That's the correct answer. Four caps for Iceland. And another correct guess, Mark Hyde. Four caps for Jamaica. We are fast running out here, so if you've got any guesses, get them in quick. Mo Kamara is incorrect, but the Welsh goalkeeper was Danny Coyne. Um, six left then. None of them got more than five caps, but I think they're all gettable. Anyone got any more ideas before we move on? Coldwell. Fernando Guerrero. Guerrero is incorrect, but Coldwell is correct. One cap for Stephen Coldwell, who was, of course, Burnley captain. When we got Joey Good Johnson. Joey Johnson has been said, but was correct. Who was that, Andy? Frederick Nimani. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, we'll come back Frank to Sinclair. Frank Sinclair. Frank Sinclair. No, there's five left. Um, I've deleted the ones that we've said, so I can't read them out, I'm afraid. I should have thought that one through a bit better. Uh, we'll come back to it a little bit later. Ian Cox is correct, AJJ, very good guessing. Two caps for Trinidad and Tobago, one of the older players on the list. There's four left, and I can tell you they're all domestic. Kurt Norgan is incorrect. Anyone? Four, um, four to get. I'll give you some clues later on if you haven't got them, and we can always I come back. Said, I take it someone says Stephen Fletcher. No, no. one said Stephen Fletcher. Can I was about to say that, but I was eating my muffin. Stephen Fletcher. Stephen Fletcher? <laughs> Stephen Fletcher correct? Yes! Stephen Fletcher! Stephen Fletcher, yes! Three caps for Scotland, despite falling out with Craig Levine. Three left to get. Shall we stick with this or come back to it later? Just Steve keep Jones. going. Okay. Steve Jones is a very good shout. I remember Steve Jones's debut. I think he scored a couple, didn't he, on his debut, is that right? And he looked like he was going One to be really... a screamer. And then he was rubbish. Like Steve Jones, whatever happened to him, played five times for Northern Ireland, even though he's got the most Welsh name ever. Wild only player. Um, two players left then. One more Northern Ireland player. This is perhaps the most difficult one. It's quite obscure and right back 2000. Is there a tumbleweed sound? We need a tumbleweed sound. I'm not sure which Jones you're referring to there, AJJ. There's no Jones on my list. Um, but you have Willemo. got the Scotland one, Chris Iwellamo. Yeah, two caps for Scotland. Famous, <laughs> seen that dreadful, dreadful chance. Under twenty ones don't count. I'm afraid, gangs, gangs, you rubbish at this. None of your guesses have been right at all. It, um, it was a Steve Jones on your list until I said him. By the way, Jeremy, and you deleted him at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, Steve Jones was correct. Is um, it, James Beat. Is, is the remaining one Phil Gray? The remaining one is. Phil Gray, I'm very proud of you all. I feel like I've won the lottery. (laughs) Wasn't that a good quiz question? Guess who came up with the quiz question? That was me. Phil Gray, three caps for Northern Ireland, wild Burnley player. A long time since he played for us, of course. Um, That was fun. We'll do another quiz next week. If you've got a question... You can email them to us, and then we don't have to think of them. Blog at nonaynever.net. You know, it is quite hard work coming up with these questions. So if, if you've got a good quiz question, then um, email us at blog at nonaynever.net or tweet us at nonaynevernet. And then that will save us a job for next week. To... So that would be excellent. Um, okay. For the last part of the show, we're going to move on to the news that emerged late last week that we are going to lose £8 million in the last sip in the last season, Mike Garlick, the co-chairman, said, despite this, the club is in a healthy position and will, in fact, break even this season. He pointed out that the sale of Charlie Austin is in this year's accounts, not last year, and says the fact that we will break even will mean we will be compliant with financial fair play rules. He told Radio Lancashire that the loss is behind us and we are now moving forwards and doing the right things. We've cut the wage bill, looked at all the costs and we're now on the right track. Garlic added, I don't think there will be many clubs in the Championship that can claim they will be breaking even. I think 80 to 85% of clubs are running at a loss. Um, when the news came out on Friday, it sort of split opinion a little bit. I know a lot of people were, were shocked. I, I was in the camp that were quite shocked by the fact we were going to lose 8 million, but others seemed to accept it quite readily. Um, James, I know you don't agree with me quite strongly on this issue so do you want to start things off eight million pound loss what do you make of that well i think it's unsurprising 
Um, a club of our size, you know, our gates, obviously gates are actually quite a small contribution in the grand scheme of things to the to the income, at least in the total difference we're talking. Um, but we've been paying big wages for quite a few years, and last year's, well, sorry, this, the accounts we're talking about, kind of half last year's, half this year's, um, don't include any big transfer fees. So there's actually no transfer profit in that. No, it's a good point that you make, and the fact that we did pay a million pounds to Jason Shackle in the same season. So there was last year's accounts were balanced by the fact Jay Rodriguez was sold for seven million. This year's accounts will be balanced by the fact Charlie Austin's gone. Whereas last season no one went, and that left a quite a big hole that the directors had to fill. Um, Andy, the financial situation is that a concern, or are you reassured by Mike Garlick's comments that we are going to break even this season? So he says. Um, I'm not concerned about it because I mean they don't owe the bank's money the, the, the director's loans that they're talking about um, put it in perspective um, 2008 the year before we went up the turnover at the club was like 8.5 million quid and the Premier League season the wage bill alone was 22 million so it, it just shows that it's got to come back down the, you know, the, the wage bill has to come down and I think by saying that they're going to break even this year to be fair to them, they've done a superb job in getting in getting the wage bill down, and, and we're operating within our means, which is which is fantastic. So all this talk about you know setting the club up for ten years—that's true because you know we're a few years down the line, and we don't owe anyone any money other than directors' loans, which is you know that, that's that's a pretty good business model. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think some fans would hope that we won't we would now be in a position where we wouldn't have to owe anyone any money. And one of my counter-arguments to suggestions that the club's been quite well run is that the parachute payments are there to cover the fact that you've got less income coming in and the wages are going to be higher. So the fact that we've been getting the parachute payments should cover the loss. Kevin, the the £8 million loss, what did you make of that when it came out? Uh, Well, I think it's quite difficult to measure uh, the significance with the lack of information we've got, um, uh, which is quite evident from the, the, the heated debate, what has been going on. Um, if it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing, if it matters. Um, we can only go what we've got, off we've got. And, but uh, the, the, the information we have got is the finances, are, before player sales, our finances this year are five million worse than the previous year. Um, before, if you take away Jerry Rodriguez's sale last year, we were running at a loss of 2.8 million. Um, where it's now eight million, so that's a, that's quite a big that's a quite a big increase in in the deficit. Um, I, it's it's quite difficult to to understand where football is going to go. I think um, I think it was who was a former player was it Steve Kinder who said that um, I think Burnley will need to go go part time uh, and clubs like was in some time in the next twenty thirty years. And it sounds extreme, but you can definitely see a set of circumstances where that might happen. Um, if football inflation continues to, uh, if football currency continues to inflate at the, uh, at the rate it's going at, um, I think I think we all knew we were working at a loss. I think that's that's no surprise. But it, it, it was the number that was that was the most surprising. I think um, I was I was anticipating something more around one, two, three million pound loss. Certainly not the eight million we got. Um, I think my big big problem, like I said in my piece on on the site in midweek, is that. Is that there's no understanding of of what the loss means. Uh, James might be correct and Andy might be correct that it, it, it's not a big deal to worry about, but but the club haven't told us that. All, all, all that Mike Garlick has said is we're making a loss, uh, um, but don't blame me. We're, we're just making a loss, but I'm good. I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> I felt I found it really really confusing that he didn't say anything else. You know, he didn't try to explain why we're making a loss, what contributed to it. Um, and I think the problem with that is that when there's no understanding, that breeds means there's going to be no trust in the board from from a large, you know, amount of the sport base. Uh, I think a lot of the distrust of the board already is just through lack of understanding. Um, when there's no trust, that means that those fans are less likely to want to go on, go on the turf, spend their money because prices are extortion at the moment. Well, we, we saw no, they're, they're rocket bottom, or rock bottom, are they? 
I was just about to say that Saturday it was a historic occasion. We were told by the club the fact that we've never played Yeovil before. I'm not sure they thought people were going to come through the door to see Yeovil because of that. And they were also trumpeting the fact that it was rock bottom prices because you could get on the third for twenty four quid. Now I'm sorry, but something's gone a bit wrong if we're calling twenty four quid rock bottom prices. Uh, James, you've got a point that you want to come in on. Yeah, just on what Kev was saying about they haven't explained why we've made the losses. It's obvious why we've made the losses. We're we're playing a competitive side in a, a league that we naturally can't afford to be in. And it's as simple as that. That's why we're a club like us is always going to make a loss. Because if you have a team with the kind of players we've had over the last season, you know, you Lee Grants, Chris McCanns, they are expensive players. They are championship players. And we don't have a mid-level championship income. I mean, I don't think I think it's, don't think it's fair as well to say that the chairman's basically saying he's all right. You've got to remember this is, you know, two men who have successful businesses and they give up their time, not only for free, but pay to give up their time to run a football club. Um, you know, it's easy to criticise them as someone who, who watches the club, but unless you've got, you know, 10 million to, that you could put into a football club and not miss, because, you know, it's not it's one thing saying this guy's a multi-millionaire, but you can't expect him to pull all his money into it. It's got to be money that he can afford to put into something that, He's not going to ever get back. And I think that's a tough thing to criticise anyone for doing. It is It is difficult because I think if, if you go down that road, you do get a little bit close to, well, if you don't agree with what's being done, then you buy shares in the club. And it's, it's not a situation that most people are in. But Adam's piece on the site made that point that they've... Mike and John B have put ten million of their own money in in the last three years. They didn't have to do that, and the club might have been in in trouble if they hadn't done that. Um, Kevin, Are you there, Kevin? I think we might have lost Kevin. Um, Adam was just saying about your piece on the site on um, over the weekend. I think it was the, the fact that the the board have put that money in. Is that a positive thing, or should we have been in a position where that money wasn't needed? Um, well, I'm glad they did put it in, but, um, it's, uh, I don't really like, mm, um, this is awkward, I can't, I can't, I can't see, borrow money off anyone else, can we? No, that's the thing, we, they're going to have to in- invest, even if, if the club is well run. So well, someone on the chat did make the point that if, if you want to join a football club's board, then you do need to put in. Um, you need to be aware that there's going to be a situation where you need to put money in. And we'll just bring in a few of the other the comments that we've had on the chat as well. Um, Pickles has been on says eight million loss will be right. That's the spirit. Um, AJJ was that said if people want to run a club, they should have the financial means to invest. That's absolutely fair. I think um, you have to buy enough shares to get on the to get on the board anyway so there's that but we heard from Paul Fletcher the former chief executive before that he said certain board members were quite happy to turn up and have their their three course meal and their red wine it was pretty obvious which directory meant by that and when we've only got a board of four people at the moment it's difficult to to see extra investment coming in Um, a couple of the other comments that we've had coming in Thomas has been on again he says the main thing that annoys him about the club at the moment is the the disastrous press statements that the club's been putting out he says they've been making it hard work for themselves recently for instance the fact that Mike Garlick had to go on to Radio Lancashire to explain his comments that were then republished on the official website and he, he points out that rock bottom prices should never have been allowed to be published I was really really angered by that rock bottom prices I was just like how, how can yeah. anyone at the club think that that's a thing that you can say? 24 quid to watch Burnley against Yorville. It's utterly ridiculous. No, that was <laughs> something that came out of the marketing department and then just got thrown out there, I think. Like, no one's there checking these ridiculous statements that the club seemed to make. It's like so, slipping through the net. I, tw- I did tweet the club about it and didn't get a reply, which tells its own story. Um, Kevin, I think you wanted to come back in. Yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, just to come back to James's point I was I, I wasn't particularly uh, criticizing the performance of the directors or um I, I I'm fully aware of how difficult it is for a club of our our, our size and our gates to compete in this champ in the championship I'm, I'm not 
making that point at all. I, I understand why we've made a big loss. I, would, I just think that it needed to be communicated a little bit more. I think it's easy for us to say that um, we understand why why we've made such a big loss, but the fact remains that there are people who don't understand and who do want answers. And I think uh, I'm, I'm just worried that with, with people, if people not understanding why, then the lack of trust is going to be really damaging to the club. And yeah, I, I do understand why we've made a loss, but I think it needs to be communicated better. Um, I, I think it'll be clear in the accounts, but does the average fan go through the accounts? Do they have the, the knowledge, the understanding to to really to really grasp what all the figures mean? I mean, there's terms like amortisation, which I've said completely wrong. I've got no idea what that means. And that's in the accounts. And it's got a X million pounds next to it. People don't have a clue what that means. Um, James, you've got a point about ticket prices. Yeah, it was mentioned in the... Uh, um, I think James has gone a bit funny there. It sounds like a robot. Do um, you want to try again there, James? Sorry, is that better? Uh, slightly, yeah. Have another go. Yeah, OK. Um, it was mentioned on the comments that the ticket prices should be like Watford last season at £10 adults, £5 children. Um, but the attendance was only 16000 for that game. Well, on the Saturday, we got about 9,500 home fans. Probably just a little bit more than that. Uh, we just shared ten. So we just shared ten thousand home fans. Yeah. Well, it was. It was less than ten thousand. It was like nine thousand seven hundred. Yeah, it was just shared. Yeah. Like but um, that assuming twenty four pound for every single person coming on, which obviously isn't the case because you've got season tickets that are discounted on that. You've got children concessions. That would be a, a revenue for that game of two hundred twenty eight thousand pound. Now, if you applied the ten pound tickets and got sixteen thousand on, like we did for that Watford game, that would be one hundred and sixty thousand pound. So you've gained, you know, six and a half thousand fans, but you've lost an extra sixty eight thousand pound. So you so need I to make that up in program sales, food and drink, so on. Yeah, and I don't think anyone can argue that that's going to happen. And you can't even guarantee that you get as many as sixteen thousand on. If ten five pound was the norm. Who's to say you'd get that same rush that you get when it's at one-off? There'll be some people who say, oh, well, I can't really be bothered today, so I won't. Say you go back to your average of like 12,000, 13,000, which is probably what our crowd would tend towards if you were to take some sort of statistical measure, then you're talking an even bigger loss over that 228,000. It is difficult. I mean, ticket prices are obviously very emotive and... The, the financial situation that the country's in, the fact that Burnley's quite a poor area anyway, when you're asking people to pay 24 quid on a Saturday afternoon, it is it is a question for some people of can they afford it or not. And yes, you've got deals on the season ticket where people can pay monthly, and yes, the flexi ticket's quite a good idea, but there does come a point where football is just too expensive for some people, and I completely agree that if they reduce the prices, there's no guarantee they'll get extra people on. I think history shows that the only thing that gets more people on the turf is a winning side playing nice football, but you, you wonder where the club can go from here when even when we've had a good start to the season and ticket prices are as low as they're going to get this season, there's still only 10,000 people want to go. Um, we had a comment from Steve Kelly, who was unfortunately unavailable to come on the podcast. Steve's a financial consultant, and he's done some stuff for the site before. And he said he's worried that administration might be the only path forward for the club because he's not sure that Mike Gollett's, um calculation is going to be correct. He thinks we're going to make a loss again for this season, despite Charlie Austin being sold. Um, Kelly? I think, do you think administration is perhaps an inevitability just because of the, the lack of income at the club or do you trust the board to be able to get us in a position where we can firstly comply with the financial fair play regulations and secondly be able to compete at championship level, Kevin? I think we might have lost, Kevin. Particularly big impact on anything, to be honest. It's, I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, go on, sorry, you were just a bit late to yeah, I don't think the uh, I don't think the Charlie Austin deal is going to have a, a huge impact on any on it on the finances. If we're if we're losing eight million this year, I mean, it's only gone through around two and a half million. That might increase, but it it, it might not. We, I think we can only go on the basis that we're going to get two and a half million. Um, and as far as administration goes, 
in the short term, if if, if Andy's correct that we only are or directors, then I don't think that's a worry short term. But when you look long term, um, like I said earlier, it, it, it's a real worry about where football goes uh, outside outside the elite clubs. Um, and long term, it could be administration. It could be that could be become a norm. It could be a, a more of a restructure of English football where teams that have the Premier League are part time or. Uh, something, I don't know what's going to happen, but something something's got to happen if 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 we're going to continue growing at this rate. Um, football clubs like ours just can't survive long term on on finances like this. Uh, Mike Garlick did actually say that breaking even was without player trading income taken into account. So by that logic, we could make a, a profit this season, and there should certainly be the Charlie Austin money available. Uh, just to come to you, Andy, on that point about the finances. Um, I think you had a point to make there, but the question I want to ask is what we do after the parachute payments end. I mean, that means we're going to be back to our pre-promotion income, probably about seven, eight million pound. C- can you sustainably run a championship club on that sort of income? Um, yeah, the, the point, just going back quicker, that point I was going to make when they said about going into administration, it, to my knowledge, the, the club only has directors loans. They bought the grain back you know, they don't owe the banks any money. If they went into administration, it's only the directors that would lose out because they wouldn't get paid their, their directors' loans back. So that seemed quite a strange sort of thing to say. Um, so can we run a club on that amount of money? Clubs have been run on that amount of money. We were run on that amount of money. Um, you know, he's saying they were going to break even next year. The, you know, you've got to strive to win. If we win and we're top of the league, no one's going to care how much it is to go on because it'll be full. You know, we've, we've, you know, let them do the worrying about that, and let's us, you know, support the club. I think that's an interesting point. I think no matter how um, difficult people's finances are, they'll, they'll always find the money to to get to the turf if if they feel like they're going to miss something special. I mean, we we saw last season when fans had to jump through all sorts of sick. Um, jump through all sorts of the hoops to get the tickets for the Rovers game and it's still pretty much full. It'll be interesting to see if the crowds are down this year. Um, we've lost Kevin, I think he's had to pop off, but Adam, what, what do you make of the financial side of things? What do you think the future is for a club like ours? Um, I don't think it is in uh, uh, administration, but it, it, something has to change, as Kevin said. Um, so, um, maybe it, it is in going part time, but that can't be in the near future. I think we just got to kind of cut our cloth, as they say, and um, and just kind of cope with with whatever is thrown at us. Um, but yeah, it is a tough one. We obviously Kevin's point was trusting the world does does uh, reduce when play, when supporters just aren't sure what the direction of the club is. And we've got a couple of comments on the blog just to go through. Um, AJJ's been on said, we've had about 20 million quid in selling strikers alone, as well as all the money from being promoted to the Premier League. Although they have tried to explain the finances, it's still beggars belief where £80 million plus has gone. I think that's a fair comment. I think probably had in excess of 100 million actually in the last four years and it all seems to have gone what have we really got to show for it apart from a new pitch not that much um, Thomas Pickles has been on as well he says if every boring poster on Carrots Mad uh, cough don't mention that name on our podcast please attending <laughs> the games they saw harshly and endlessly scrutinised we'd have higher attendances than United well they'd be sat on the roof because uh, Turf Moor couldn't hold all those people and Alex has been on as well he says next summer we'll sell Kieran Trippier and Danny Ings will score 26 goals conservative estimate there Andy's sure he's going to get 40 odd though we're for 10 million combined at the end of the season and we will be fine um, Kevin I think you've just popped back in have you got one last point there to make on the finances no <laughs> no that's a really important point that you'd return for um, James just want to come back to you because we had a bit of a running on Twitter the other day about this um What's your understanding of what the club's going to do at the end of next season when the parachute payments are gone and we will have to be back to operating on 
on the income alone, which is probably going to be seven, eight million pounds at the most without player sales. Well, the way I see it, they're going to continue looking to cut the cut the wage bill, um, and obviously any any reasonable losses, you, it sounds like the owners will cover them. That's why the, the chairman will cover them. Um, but long term, they've been saying for a while they do want to find other investors, but they do have to fit with the idea of what the club is. And you know, some people complain about that, but I think that's a good thing because you don't want a you know a Venky style situation at the turf. And I think the current board wouldn't let that happen. Whether they will find someone who can bring the sort of money that's going to see us get promoted, I don't know. But they need to find that that balance. The investment is interesting. I mean, um, we had stories in the local press that there was talking to some some Russian investors that were going to bring in up to million pound, and that doesn't seem to have come to anything. Brendan Flood told us exclusively that he'd he'd had informal talks with some of his friends about perhaps. Um, even launching a consortium to try and take over the club doesn't seem to have come to much. We'll try and speak to Brendan again soon. Um, and we will try and get something more from Steve Kelly, who was who was uh, the poster on our site who suggested that administration could be on the way. Um, just on the on the point that we were making there about the, the finances, um, do get in touch with your thoughts. We're going to wrap up quite soon. So if, you, if you've got any... Anything to add on that, you can always tweet us at nonanevernet and email us blog at nonanever.net. Alex has made a very good point. Dave Fishwick, him off of the telly, he could invest. He already sponsors the stand, but I, I want to see Dave Fishwick on the board. He'd yeah. sort the club out. Um, and one last point that I want to bring in before we do wrap up for the day is the fancy football update for this week. Um, we'll get all the details on social media and stuff for you if you're not on the league yet. But during the first week of play, Walton Wanderers tops the table after a very strong performance over the weekend. Um, David Whitney, not another contributor, is fourth. And it's actually his birthday today. So if you're listening, happy birthday there, David. James Bird, I think he's doing the best of those of us on the podcast today. He's in 22nd place. Well done there, James. You're contending for Europe there. And Smith Specials, which is my team, are unfortunately right near the bottom. So <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on doing those updates throughout the season and it'll be interesting to see how we're all getting on. Um, so thanks for listening. We'll be back same time next week, Monday at 7 o'clock. And obviously we'll be on Saturday as well for Northern and Ever Live. It's Brighton away. Um, just on the Brighton point, get some predictions from you chaps before we go. Um, same team or Keith Tracy back in, James? For me, Keith Tracy comes back in. Probably the junior. Um, I, I don't think we see our field. He probably stays on the bench. Um, but yeah, I think Tracy comes back in and I think we win 2-1. Another win, so you're going for three league wins in a row. Bold stuff. Andy, same team, or would you be bringing Tracy in? What do you think, prediction for the game? Um, I'd put Tracy in instead of Wallace, personally. Um, and it's going to be a good 5-2. <laughs> a good 5-2? Blimey, that'll be one for football league show. They're playing with 30 seconds of coverage, including the teams getting off the bus like normal. <laughs> um, Kevin, what team would you be taking to Brighton and your predictions for the match as well? Right, he'll score two, and we'll score even one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a scoreline. Get off that fence. I want to score. Either 2-2. Two, two, two. Okay, I'll, I'll say 2-2. Two, two. I'm optimistic. I was going to say 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> well, you can still say 2-2. Two, two. He's nicked my, my prediction, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always end up going last on the prediction, and I've got no idea what to say, because people have said, like, four of these scores. Yeah, I'll go 2-2. Two, two um, go the other way. Oh, no, that's, that's two, two, pessimistic. Two, We're trying to be positive. Yeah, yeah. instead of 2-2 two, two to them, it'll be 2-2 to us. Should get extra points for a way, draw, so yeah. I think. What about Tracy? Would you play Tracy? Yeah, instead of Stan. I, I would as well. I'd chuck him in. I'd probably put him in for Wallace. 
because um, you can't drop Junior. That's just not allowed. Um, so thanks for listening, and we will be back on Saturday for Non and Never Live. A couple of predictions just before we do wrap up. Alex has said it'll be 2-1 with Tracy in. So us, another win, and AJJ says folks 1-0. So thanks for listening, everyone. You can get in touch via Twitter if you've got feedback on the podcast. That's net and email us, blog at net. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit net, And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at net. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.